The narwhal bacon's at midnight, my friends. I know what you're talking about, fellow Redditor. Reddit. Yeah, it's a website that certainly inspires a lot of uh, strong opinions for tens of millions of people. Reddit lives up to its tagline, the front page of the internet. And the front page of Reddit contains most of the day's news, the day's memes, the day's discourse, all right there for easy browsing. And once you start subscribing to various subreddits related to your personal niche, interests, it's a great way to keep your finger on the pulse of what you care about. On the other hand, uh, despite being a place for discussion, it can often be a bastion of toxicity, and even on well-moderated subreddits, you usually have to skip past dozens of highly upvoted comments, all telling the same lame jokes that they've been telling for decades uh, before you get to anything of substance, which is very annoying. Also, the cringe. We started the episode with cringe. That's a real thing they used to say to each other to identify each other in public. Because it was... Despite it being a massive website, people thought they were part of the same cool underground group. The Narwhal Bacons at Midnight. Yeah. And yeah, for better or worse, Reddit's main effect on the internet has been to steer things away from siloed off single-purpose message boards to having all the message boards in one convenient place. Mm -hmm. The eggs are all in one basket. And that basket's having some problems. Yeah, Reddit's problems started a few months back, right around the time that Elon Musk decided to start charging big money for usage of Twitter's API, which had previously been free. Reddit made a similar announcement, with the stated reasoning being that AI companies were using Reddit's API to scrape huge amounts of data off Reddit to train their AI language models. And, you know, that it wasn't fair that these lucrative AI businesses were building their products largely off data that they weren't paying a cent for. And that's a fair point. But it quickly became clear that charging for API access would basically shut down a bunch of popular third-party apps and tools that Reddit users have come to rely on. Most notably, Reddit itself didn't even have an official mobile app until 2016. So for years before that, various third-party mobile apps filled the void by using Reddit's API. And even after the official Reddit app launch, many Reddit users have stuck with the third-party apps, which are in many cases (laughs) arguably better than Reddit's official app. Yeah, and even the official Reddit app was built on the back of a third-party app that Reddit decided, oh, we should probably buy this. Thanks for doing all that work. We'll take it from here. And now they're saying anyone with a third-party app, sorry, you owe us a lot of money Mm -hmm. for doing that thing you did, which pretty much you're the reason so many people use our website and can access it all the time. But now uh, we'll take it from here, guys. Yeah. So yeah, now all those popular third-party Reddit apps are in a situation where they simply cannot afford to continue running and will have to shut down. Uh, Here's Motherboard last week. The developer of Apollo, one of the most popular third-party Reddit apps, announced Thursday that he is shutting the app down at the end of the month due to the astronomical charges Reddit is implementing that would make continuing the app financially untenable. The move comes days before hundreds of subreddits are set to go dark to protest Reddit's forthcoming changes to the way it charges for API access, and a week after Christian Selig, Apollo's developer, said that keeping the app operational would cost him more than $20 million per year. On July 1st, Reddit is set to begin charging developers for access to its API, which allows people like Selig to make third-party apps that people can use to browse, post on, and moderate Reddit without using the official app or desktop site. And at this point, it's worth clarifying what exactly an API is. And let's just quote directly from that Apollo developer's announcement, because he explains it well. Some people are confused about this situation and don't understand what an API is. An API, application programming interface, is just a way for an app to talk to a website. As an analogy, pretend Reddit is a bouncer. Historically, you can ask Reddit, 
Could I have the comments for this post? Or can you list the posts and ask Reddit? Those would be one API request each, and Reddit would respond with the corresponding data. Everything you do on Reddit is an API request. Upvoting, downvoting, commenting, loading posts, loading subreddits, checking for new messages, blocking users, filtering subreddits, etc. The situation is changing so that for each API request you make, there's a portion of a penny charged to the developer of that app. I think that is very reasonable, provided, well, that the price they charge is reasonable. Spoiler alert, it was not. Mm -hmm. uh, Apollo's developer explains elsewhere in the post that the price Reddit is charging is not reasonable. 24 cents per 1,000 API requests does not really seem like that much, but Apollo makes 7 billion requests per month, which under the new system would cost $1.7 million per month, or around $20 million per year. Apollo simply cannot generate enough revenue to afford that, so it's shutting down. And so are a bunch of other Reddit apps that are in the same situation. And yes, from Reddit's perspective, giving away all their data for free forever, it's financially untenable. Sure, that's money they're just leaving on the table. Mm -hmm. But effectively shutting down millions of users' preferred method for accessing Reddit also seems like a bad financial decision, especially considering that it's not like these third-party Reddit apps were developed to get their creators rich. They were developed because the creators love using Reddit and wanted a better way to access it on phones because there was no official way to do that that didn't suck ass. Also, Reddit isn't generating this content. Users are. And we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. This underlines a key component of Reddit's lasting success. It is largely built on unpaid labor. And here's Motherboard again on that. In any conversation about Reddit's finances and business model, it's worth highlighting that Reddit gets an incredible and perhaps incalculable amount of financial value from moderators who help ensure that their communities, and by extension Reddit itself, are places worth visiting. Reddit's content moderation model, where the moderators are actual parts of their communities, has in some ways proven better than the content moderation models used by Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, who rely on paid employees and contractors to apply network-wide rules to content on those sites. Moderators of any social media site, including Reddit, are at risk of being exposed to violent and disturbing content, burnout, and PTSD associated with the work that they do. Simply put, it does cost money for Reddit to serve its API to third-party entities. But Reddit also has a fundamental reliance on unpaid labor that few other social media giants have. And keeping its API accessible and free, or cheap, enables them to more easily do that unpaid work. So yeah, basically the real, the real value of Reddit lies in its self-sustaining user base, the people who post, comment on, and most importantly, moderate Reddit's content. And the content is the entire reason anyone comes to Reddit in the first place. They don't come there because the the network, uh, the site architecture is pretty. It's not. It's hideous. No. They come in fact, there. I would assume that most use the old version of Reddit, which they kept around because there was such yeah. a backlash. Old.reddit.com. Yeah, but also, this is the exact same thing with Twitter having the audacity to charge its more prominent users for verification, considering those users are bringing eyeballs to the site. Yeah, or, it's, in, or were. It's, well, in, yeah, in both cases, it's just a very short-sighted yes. uh, way of looking at generating revenue, where it's like, yes, in the short term, this will add some numbers to your ledger sheet, but you're maybe not considering the effect it will have on the actual user experience and how that negative effect uh, might undo any fucking money you make off of this change. Yeah. And yeah, moderating a subreddit with millions of users, it often involves the use of third-party tools that rely on free access to Reddit's API, because 
Uh, Reddit's internal moderation tools, again, not so good. So people went and made better ones that they rely on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a few weeks back, several large subreddits announced that on June 12th, they would be temporarily going private, meaning they would no longer be accessible to non-members as a form of protest. The front page of the internet would have a lot less content on it, thus, hopefully, driving home the point to Reddit's executives that Reddit is nothing without the free labor that its users provide. And this form of protest picked up a, a lot more supporters last week, following a disastrous post by Reddit's CEO Steve Huffman, aka Spez, in which he basically just reiterated that the API terms were changing, and if that means apps like Apollo shut down, oh well, so be it. More than 8,000 subreddits announced blackouts, and some announced that they'd, rather than just going private for 48 hours, they would probably just be doing so indefinitely mm -hmm. until their concerns were addressed properly. Now, whether any of this is enough to send a wake-up call for Reddit to reevaluate this API policy, it remains to be seen. Reddit is looking to go public on the stock. <laughs> okay. They they want to go public, baby. Are they not owned by Condé Nast anymore? No, they're independent. Wow. They spun off. That was a couple years ago, I think. Okay. Uh, Reddit is looking to go public on the stock market sometime soon. Uh, I cannot see that going well. Uh, no. How's BuzzFeed doing? A place that you would assume would be easier to sell ads to because their content is... Uh, at least whittled down into something marketable. Now, of all possible times yes. to take a company like Reddit public, like, buddy, you missed that. Tr that ship sailed about two, three years ago. Yes, and even around then, the game GameStop time, as a meme yeah. stock, it might have done okay. And even then, if you had pulled it off, that line would be. It's so a funny. Downward slope. By it's now. so funny for them to understand the power that the site has, specifically when it comes to the stock market, the negative attention they've been re they've been uh, receiving recently, and then the audacity to still move forward with a plan to list it as if it won't get shorted to hell and back. Yeah. Um, I mean, Reddit, again, a lot like Twitter. It's a product that is useful to a lot of people. It's popular, but it kind of inherently... What makes it good is also what makes it not something that is probably going to do too well as an investment. And that's okay. Not every product needs to grow infinitely. Especially because you would assume, I mean, a lot of the content on there is copyright infringement. I mean, uh, and pornography. Sure. And so a publicly a publicly traded company, it it would never be exactly what it was previously. Yeah. Um. So good luck with that. Anyways, after 18 years as a private company and lots of venture capital funding, uh, they they want to go public. And so cutting costs and increasing revenue, it's the number one priority. Do you see the problem here? Do you see the problem with these public <laughs> companies? But again, value isn't just profits and losses. During this blackout, Reddit has been a lot less valuable of a product to people who use it. Even if you don't use Reddit regularly or even have an account, you've probably clicked on Reddit links while searching for very useful information on Google. That is, I would assume, as far as mainstream access, the number one way that Reddit is accessed. Mm -hmm. uh, best headphones 2023, Reddit. Boom. Yeah. And it's like, here's a conversation. You find some subreddit of absolute freaks who yeah. like spend all day you know, comparing headphones and arguing about it, and you get a much more honest take on what you were looking for than really anywhere else. All the review sites are completely just, uh, it's just full of fucking this, spam. It, it's filled with enthusiasts. Yeah. And it, it, I, as one perfect example, I was getting super into like 
trying to get into vintage audio gear, mm. I spent a couple hours on some subreddits and realized, not for me. No thanks. I don't yeah. have anywhere near the expertise nor the will to learn yeah. any of this I stuff. I mean, if you really wanted to go down an even deeper rabbit hole than that, it used to be called Gear Sluts. I think they changed the name <laughs> finally, but yeah. there's an audio gear forum that's been going for about 25 years, and they, it is very intense on there. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, you've probably used it as a search engine for proper results, and that's why it is a successful scraping tool for AI. Yeah. Because they're, people are asking Reddit questions, and they're getting the replies they want in an indirect way. It's real human AI, conversation, at least the online version of that. Yeah, so you could see why that would be used like that. And by adding Reddit to the end of a question, you can avoid the AI lying to you. Yeah, they, or at least you the, can be... The SEO, yeah, Google search results. Google's bad these days. It's not it's good. It's horrible. Um, the top, like, first page of results is going to be just garbage. So, uh, yeah, Reddit... Reddit does solve this somewhat. Yes. It's not perfect, but it's better than, especially and, now that the AI-generated uh, SEO clickbait crap is just crowding the internet. The, uh, the, the good thing about it, too, is that when you go to one of the links that you try to answer your question with, you'll see multiple answers. You have a choice to yeah, look and see which one you think of works. Threads. And then usually replies to say why that one works for someone else. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a useful tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, that's gotten a lot harder this week. Yeah. And it was something I didn't think about that much. I'm like, yeah, I use Reddit like pretty regularly, I guess. I'd but, say I'm like, on a downswing as far as there was the past couple of years. Definitely like multiple times just uh, during this blackout where I was like, da -da -da -da. ah, shit. I'd search for something on Google and uh, the API results are still cached. So you click on them, but you can't actually see the posts. No mommy milkers for Elliot? No mommy milkers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mommy Milkers Reddit. I did love that was one of the fun things on Twitter where people were posting the most obscure that not that that's an obscure subreddit, but posting obscure porn subreddits. Oh yeah, uh, who were like standing in solidarity. It was amazing. R slash videos, R slash movies, R slash jokes, and R slash uh, yeah, uh, men who'd like to dress like babies and be spanked. Yes. Anyway, nevertheless, Reddit still seems willing to bet on all of this blowing over, and there's some precedent to that. There's yeah. been several times when Reddit's entire user base has gotten very mad, and Reddit still kind of got their way. Yeah. So here's The Verge. In an internal memo sent Monday afternoon to Reddit staff, CEO Steve Huffman addressed the recent blowback directed at the company, telling employees to block out the noise and that the ongoing blackout of thousands of subreddits will eventually pass. Huffman says the blackout hasn't had significant revenue impact and that the company anticipates that many of the subreddits will come back online by Wednesday. There's a lot of noise with this one, among the noisiest we've seen. Please know that our teams are on it. And like all blowups on Reddit, this one will pass as well, the memo reads. We absolutely must ship what we said we would. The only long-term solution is improving our product. And in the short term, we have a few upcoming critical mod tool launches we need to nail. Okay, so that's where things are now. And based on that email, it sounds like the subreddits who plan on staying dark indefinitely until their demands are met will be staying dark for the foreseeable future. If things continue on this path, that's great for Reddit's IPO, and they, I guess, potentially stand to make a lot of money on this. But that's all meaningless if Reddit fails to regain the trust of its users and moderators, who, again, produce all the content that gives Reddit its value and make it a website that people can actually use. It, there, there's been a lot of uh, d discussion and writing specifically on Substack about a lot of the 
publications in particular, but Reddit falls into this category in this sense of how they are operating and making money. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is that their parent companies are not happy with the amount of money they're making. Yeah. They're, they're not only sustaining themselves, but they're actually turning a profit. But that yeah, profit Reddit's isn't doing... enough to satiate the stockholders. Yeah, I think in Reddit's case, it's a all bunch of VC firms in Silicon Valley that have been pumping money into them for a decade and yeah. like with the end goal of cashing out once they go public eventually. And it's just like, all right, so uh, everything is doing bad in the tech sector. What do we still got here? Oh, Reddit. All yeah. right, so uh, you're going public this year. How do you like the back? You'd have to like, imagine, like, the, the people that have been in charge of Reddit for a decade, like, as well, are just like, when can I shed this website? I, yeah. wa- I was supposed to be on vacation years ago. Uh, but yes, I mean, when you speak about it that way, it's also blatant that as soon as the second it hits the stock market, it's going to tank yeah. because all of these people are going to sell their shares to hopefully some idiot who will buy it at a price that they get the return on it also just like as a stock you buy a stock that has potential for massive growth like reddit already grew its, it was, it's user base is not really ever going to get bigger than it is now yeah, it's I already think it, a very popular website so how do you where do you go from there I, honestly i think it's probably past its its peak yeah uh probably in a lot of ways although it, it benefits from being kind of the only website on the internet that does At, yeah. what it does true yeah um, anyways, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to watch having yeah. grown up and lived on the internet and hosting a show about it. I'm, I'm afraid the narwhal is no longer baking at midnight. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Reddit originally rose in, uh, to prominence in the wake of another popular website, Dig, collapsing after angering its users over what were relatively minor <laughs> changes compared to what Reddit is doing now. So in the short term, this might all be great for Reddit's bottom line, but long term, this could be the beginning of the end for Reddit as the front page of the internet. And that would fucking suck. Yeah, it's... Uh... Bring back hyper-specific message boards on their own specific URLs. Yeah, and that's how it all started. Yeah. That's what the internet was for a very long time. We need to return to form. Uh, Although and... that would be outrageously expensive for anyone to host. And, I mean, a lot of those are still... They're still around. Uh, searching Google, you do sometimes end up on one of those more niche message boards that isn't Reddit, and they're very interesting. Oh, you are, you still have an account on bodybuildingforums.com? <laughs> it's funny. Like, yeah, before before Reddit, it was it was like bodybuilding.com. Something awful. Something awful. Newgrounds. And like 4chan before it became like as shitty as it became. But uh, those were really like the only general purpose. Uh, the original social like, media were... It, it was message boards that you could eventually have a profile on. Mm-hmm. So there were there were many. Yeah. But uh, yeah, real shame. Real shame. Yeah. Uh, probably witnessing at least this part of the death of the internet. Web 3.0, probably not exactly what a lot of tech bros thought it was going to be, but it's looking like a different landscape going forward. Web 3.0, when the web just starts to suck a yeah. lot more than it already did. But uh, moving on to another popular website that is hell-bent on destroying itself, Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Like Reddit, Twitter was never perfect, but it always served a very modest purpose. Uh, That is, until certain people decided that the actual purpose of Twitter was to be the de facto town square of the internet, and therefore vital to the human race, and not just a place where people post 240-character samples of what's on their mind. It was a take website. You post your takes. Yeah. You read some takes, but no. 
This is uh, the digital town square. And yeah, every decision that Elon Musk has taken in his quest to make Twitter the most important thing on the internet has served really only to alienate its core user base by filling everyone's feeds with shit that they don't want to see. Ranging from simply posts you have no interest in, from people you have no interest in, to hate speech and scams. And uh, yeah, it's not great. It's a, it's a objectively worse experience now than it was six months ago. And it has gotten, specifically in the last month, very bad, very quickly. Like, the replies to any tweet now are just completely run over uh, with verified accounts shoving their way in and to the top. Yeah. So, prioritizing Twitter's role as a place where you can say whatever the hell you want over Twitter's role as a place people actually want to spend time at has, of course, <laughs> alienated Twitter's advertisers as well and put Twitter's finances even more into the red. But... Some hope seemed to be on the horizon once Elon hired former NBC Universal ad executive Lindy Ocarino as Twitter's new CEO. And all of Elon's right-wing simps got over the fact that she's a member of the Illuminati. Yeah, that blew over. They got over it. Yeah, I guess. Surely, though, this new CEO, if nothing else, could see how Elon's decisions are affecting Twitter's ability to make money and would make decisions that would bring the advertisers back and by extension, make Twitter less of a shitty place to hang out. Right? You know, or maybe she's just someone that Elon hired so that everyone yells at her instead of him. Could be that. Well, in her first email to Twitter staff, which she also shared via Twitter, which was smart because it would have leaked anyway. Yeah, it is weird, though, seeing it in tweet form. You're like, is she talking to me? But no, I guess she's talking to Twitter staff, but... She doesn't say anywhere that it's a, this was just her email to Twitter staff. I love... It's like, we're all going to have to work real... Wait, you want me to work hard? She also has the ability to, to do it as one single tweet, but also recognizes oh, right. how horrific yeah. that looks. I've clicked on one the other day. Was uh, it the Lauren Southern one? Yes. That was... That was a fucking novel. I was like, holy fucking it shit. It just kept going. Yeah. And every reply was just like, I'm not reading all that. Good for you, or whatever sucks that happened. Yeah, literally no fucking way I'm reading that shit. Yeah. Whew. Uh, but yeah, Linda could have done that. She could have utilized one of she the many benefits of getting Twitter blue, which is unlimited character limit, apparently. But she did not because she understands, at the very least... <laughs> Ain't reading that shit. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's let's see her uh, big statement, her big plans for Twitter. Hopefully it's not just a bunch of word salad. Hello, Twitter. People keep asking me, why Twitter? So, I'll tell you. From space exploration to electric vehicles, Elon knew these industries needed transformation, so he did it. More recently, it has become increasingly clear that the global town square needs transformation to drive civilization forward through the unfiltered exchange of information and open dialogue about the things that matter most to us. Have you ever been talking with someone particularly insightful and thought, you're brilliant, everybody should get the chance to hear this? No. Or, I'm learning so much from you. Can we do this again? No. Or maybe it's as simple as, you should have the freedom to speak your mind. What? We all should. Enter Twitter 2.0. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and then told them immediately after they were done speaking that they should have the right to speak? <laughs> I, yeah, I just was. Are you listening to me? <laughs> like, like, the only context where any of... Where that shit makes sense is like someone, oh, here, I'm going to tell you something really racist. And they're like, yeah. wow, that's pretty fucked we up. Should, we should tell the whole but, Starbucks what you just said. But you should said. be less scared to say that racism. Yeah. It's a shame. The woke mob. Why are you keeping that. that all bottled up in there in yeah. your brain? It's like it's any normal situation, someone talks and you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. I, I'm not thinking about like what this implies about uh, the state of free speech in the world. 
it's a weird way to, as an op- just an opener a yeah. weird uh yeah. Uh, also, just again, hilarious because ninety nine point nine percent of what's on Twitter is uh, just again, garbage. Just people's fucking thoughts. Just yeah. not really, really breaking any. I yeah. The best, <laughs> the best in that too is like you, you can tell she was like dancing around saying the marketplace of ideas. Right. It was like it went uh, every angle it could without directly saying this needs to be the marketplace of ideas. But her statement continues. Twitter is on a mission to become the world's most accurate, real-time information source and a global town square for communication. We're on the precipice of making history. And that's not an empty promise. That's our reality. When you start by wrapping your arms around this powerful vision, literally everything is possible. (laughs) What is she on? You have to genuinely believe and work hard for that belief. And in this moment of complete reinvention, we have the opportunity to reach across aisles create new partnerships, celebrate new voices, and build something together that can change the world. And from what I can tell so far, you're built for this. Uh, You can clearly tell that she was an ad executive at a media company because this sounds like an upfront speech. Absolutely, yeah. This is the kind of bullshit that they spew to sell ads before shows on network television. Yeah. This is like she's pitching ads for like Abbott Elementary. Yeah, it's... But even in that context, it's like, even if you, she gave this exact speech at like the upfronts, everyone in the crowd would be like, oh, "Okay, what lady." What the fuck <laughs> is she saying? Okay, I mean, it's it's Twitter. Yeah, like, yeah, it's not we all change, have it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, she uh, closed her message with, "So let's dig our heels in, four inches or flat, uh-huh. and build Twitter 2.0 together." That was a Ron DeSantis uh, message. <laughs> Twitter, it's for the gals and for the. Governors of Florida. You know, he has those lifts. He does. Mm-hmm. So great stuff, Linda. Um, yeah, so it's pretty clear that not a lot is going to change. No. She is kind of just going to be the face of a company that Elon Musk fully intends to keep running the exact way that he has been running it. And I mean, yeah, of course, tech people are always going to talk about their product like it's way more important than it really is. But come on, Linda. Mm-hmm. Framing Twitter 2.0 as like the only place online where anyone can really speak freely is ridiculous. And the idea of Twitter being the world's most accurate real-time information source is absurd, especially considering how much disinformation is regularly found on there and how much harder it is now to use Twitter for news ever since Elon fired everyone involved in curating the trending topics. Not to mention before you'd go on, you'd search for a topic and the blue check mark usually meant, oh, that person's a journalist. That person knows what the fuck they're talking about. Or and at now, least is putting their credibility on the yeah, line to say it. Yes. And now, uh, no. You Just don't even, anything. You don't even know if you're looking at the real CNN. Nope. So, yeah. I'd say it's... Or the real Elon Musk. Twitter has gotten objectively worse at being a place where you can get a a real-time barometer on what's happening in the fucking world, you idiot. Fuck you. (laughs) I'm so mad about this. They're just... They're they're saying the sky is fucking red. It's the... It it is mainly... Well, it's frustrating for a lot of reasons, but it is very frustrating just watching how stupid people can be publicly. At business. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. It is, especially, like, I mean, I think a lot of this is worn off, clearly, ever since this whole Twitter thing started. But, like, yeah, for the long time, it's like, well, it's Elon Musk. Of course he's going to do a great job at it. But then to come in six months later when he clearly has done a fucking garbage job at it, just be like, yeah, things things are going great. We are going to finally realize Elon Musk's vision, which is definitely a coherent uh, vision and not just his fucking ramblings in the middle of the night about freedom. Fuck off. It's maddening. It's... You hate to see it. 
I genuinely do hate to see it yeah. because, like, on for this job especially, Twitter used to be like the first place I'd look, and like that trending tab, you click on a topic, and someone at Twitter somewhere was like actually compiling like the top tweets about it. They'd even have like little bullet points. Like it was very fucking useful mm-hmm. for actually knowing what's going on in the world. And that does not happen anymore. Now it's just a trending list, and you click on it, and there's seemingly no algorithmic like uh, sorting for it. It's just half the tweets have nothing to do with the trend you clicked on and just happen to have a word from that trend but are related to something else. Mm-hmm. I hate it. It's wild. It's upsetting. Anyways. Anyways, in other Twitter news, they continue to lower expenses and maximize revenue through that one simple trick of simply not paying for things. Whether it's various third-party services that it relies on to keep the site running or rent for its offices around the world or contractually obligated severance packages for the thousands of employees who were fired when Elon took over. Just don't pay. Which is really rich coming from them uh, because they're trying to charge everyone for everything else. Right. Yeah. And also because, I mean, Elon and his his new fan base definitely uh, would call you a fucking welfare queen if this was anyone else uh, doing literal freeloader shit. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, now we can add to that pile of things that Twitter's not paying for. The hosting costs for the service that Twitter uses to fight spam and CP. You know, I can't 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 even say say what that stands for because it's that bad. COD points. Uh, No. (laughs) No, it's not. COD points are good. This is the bad CP. uh, The illegal one. Here's Platformer. Twitter has refused to pay its Google Cloud bills as its contract comes up for renewal this month, Platformer has learned, leading to a high-stakes conflict between the companies that could result in Twitter's trust and safety teams being crippled. While Twitter hosts some services on its own servers, the company has long contracted with Google and Amazon to complement its infrastructure. Prior to Musk buying Twitter last year, the company signed a multi-year contract with Google to host services related to fighting spam, removing child sexual abuse material, and protecting accounts, among other things. It continues, The move has triggered a mad dash within Twitter to move as many services as it can off of Google Cloud before its contract ends on June 30th. But the project is running behind schedule, sources said, leaving the fate of several key platform defenses in question. Smite, a company Twitter acquired in 2018 that offers tools to stop abuse and harassment, is among the services currently running on Google Cloud Platform. It is now scheduled to be shut down June 30th, sources said, and it's not clear whether Twitter will attempt to migrate it to its own servers. If Smite went down, it would likely reduce Twitter's ability to achieve two of Musk's stated priorities, removing CSAM and bots. This week, an investigation from the Stanford Internet Observatory found that networks of CSAM buyers and sellers were operating in the open on Twitter. Ugh. So basically, a severely understaffed Twitter workforce has about two weeks to fully migrate these tools off Google Cloud and onto its own servers, or else things will get much, much worse than they already are, in ways that Elon Musk very specifically said they would get better. Seems about right. Um, Best of luck to the people in charge of making that happen. It's a it's a sad state of affairs. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, just just horrific all around. Anyway, we got lots more news coming up, but first, it's time to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Factor. Now that it's summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for sunny, active days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. Too busy with summer plans to cook, but you want to make sure you're eating well? 
With Factor, skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality that you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside and soak up the warm weather. Looking for calorie conscious options this summer? Try delicious, dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Need an extra boost to support your wellness goals this summer? Try Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Elevate eating at home with the new upscale surf and turf and surf and surf meal mm. options like roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp and Cajun spiced shrimp and salmon. Choose from 34 plus chef prepared dietitian approved weekly options including premium ingredients such as broccolini, leeks, truffle butter and asparagus. Plus you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 plus add-ons including breakfast items like the delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Or for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. This June, get factored and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Last night I had this like roasted tomato and chicken with zucchini. Oof, that wow. sauce was delicious. You simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh flavored packed meals right to your door. Their app is one of the best apps like it's just very intuitive very easy to use and their meals are ready in just two minutes no prep no mess head to factormeals.com newsday50 and use code newsday50 to get 50 percent off your first box that is code newsday50 at factormeals.com newsday50 to get 50 percent off your first box moving on now to ai news i remember a little while back we were all getting constantly disappointed by news about various famous people that we previously respected suddenly getting into nfts Mm. Thankfully, that's over, but NFTs have been replaced by AI as the hot new tech that everyone needs to get in on. And we regret to inform you that Paul McCartney is using AI to bring John Lennon back from the dead for one last Beatles song. He couldn't just let it be. He couldn't let it be. It was only a matter of time until something like this happened, but thankfully the headlines of the story are a lot more disappointing than the actual facts. Any form of AI necromancy is disturbing, but the details of how this is actually going to work at least makes it clear that this is not just Paul McCartney pumping some new lyrics into a John Lennon deepfake voice and calling it a new Beatles song. Still, look, people are only going to read the headlines. You've made a grave error here. Yeah, Paul. Here's the BBC with more. Sir Paul McCartney says he has employed artificial intelligence to help create what he calls the final Beatles record. He told BBC Radio 4's Today program the technology had been used to extricate John Lennon's voice from an old demo so he could complete the song. We just finished it up and it'll be released this year. Who's we? He explained. <laughs> Me and the ghost. Uh, Sir Paul did not name the song, but it is likely to be a 1978 Lennon composition called Now and Then. It had already been considered as a possible reunion song for the Beatles in 1995 as they were compiling their career-spanning anthology series. Sir Paul had received the demo a year earlier from Lennon's widow, Yoko Ono. It was one of several songs on a cassette labeled For Paul that Lennon had made shortly before his death in 1980. Lo-fi and embryonic, the tracks were largely recorded onto a boombox as the musician sat at a piano in his New York apartment. I guess you could say I had a ghostwriter. And, all right, John, say the line about how Paul's the best Beatle. And the most handsome, too. I got this box of tapes from Yoko... And, uh, he, well, he, John is talking into the boombox in the background. You just hear, hey, hey, yeah. oh. It's, yeah. You ever see that live performance where the live audio engineer just 
turns yeah <laughs> yeah no, just it's, pull, uh, pulls her vocals out of the entire mix like i get that she was going for something with that but it does not work it yeah. is it is anyways just we have murder the, on the ears we have the ai take yono's yoko's voice yeah. out and finally work. technology has reached a point where we can remove <laughs> yoko ono yes Anyways, they're using AI tools to take an old John Lennon demo that John meant to give to Paul, separate the vocals from the instrumental, clean up the audio quality, and Paul and <laughs> presumably Ringo, and they'll, they'll be recording new backing music around a clean vocal track. I'm still waiting for that call. Peace and love, peace and love. Ringo <laughs> here. Uh, phone hasn't been ringing. Uh, yeah, it is funny that they're the last two because it's like I don't think Ringo has any executive authority in this relationship. No. He's just like, okay, y'all play. Just happy to be here. <laughs> I've met Ringo Starr. Wait, what? Yeah, shook his hand. Well, no, he he bumped elbows, didn't shake oh, hands. No. But uh, yeah, worked with him on a peace and love behind. The, yes, and that's all he did is like, peace and love, peace and love. I had a picture with him somewhere. It's, he had an NFT collection that was fucking of course hilarious. He did. Of course, his he was did. so fucking bad. It was it was so bad that it was good. Because yeah. clearly he didn't know what the fucking NFT was, uh, but he had a lot of ideas about like what it could be. Cool. And it was like almost this like Ringo Starr like shitty fucking metaverse. It was very funny. Yeah, I mean, cool, whatever. Uh, it's look, it's not nearly as ghoulish, all things considered, as you would imagine from the article's headline. Sir Paul McCartney says artificial intelligence has enabled a final Beatles song. <laughs> that sounds horrific. Yeah, I don't like the sound of that. This isn't all that different from what Paul, George, and Ringo did back in the 90s with two John Lennon songs from the same set of demos. It's just that the technology has gotten a lot better since then. Paul seems to have been inspired to do this after seeing how successfully Peter Jackson was able to restore the Beatles' Let It Be sessions from the Get Back documentary series. Uh, here's the BBC again. The turning point came with Peter Jackson's Get Back documentary, where dialogue editor Emile De La Rey trained computers to recognize the Beatles' voices and separate them from background noises and even their own instruments to create clean audio. The same process allowed Sir Paul to duet with Lennon on his recent tour and new surround sound mixes of the Beatles' Revolver album to be created last year. He, Jackson, was able to extricate John's voice from a ropey little bit of cassette, Sir Paul told Radio 4's Martha Kearney. We had John's voice and a piano, and he could separate them with AI. They tell the machine, that's the voice, this is a guitar, lose the guitar. So when we came to make what will be the last Beatles record, it was a demo that John had, and we were able to take John's voice and get it pure through this AI. Then we can mix the record as you would normally do. So it gives you some sort of leeway. And if you've watched Get Back, uh, especially compared to what the original footage looked and sounded like, it's a pretty great example of what AI is capable as an actual creative tool yeah it's it, he did it didn't he use it uh, with the same thing with the world war one he made yeah he made that one first he took a bunch of world war one footage that was just like obviously not in great shape at all mm -hmm. and um it's like fucking magic like they restored it it it's crystal clear footage and the same with this this beatles documentary like there's just sort of super eight footage that was filmed and just kind of sitting in a vault for like 50 years and um it's amazing it's like, there's definitely parts where you can kind of tell something's a little off, but... Yeah. Uh, Yoko Ono's feet walk by. <laughs> we couldn't scrub the whole thing. It was really hard to get the screams out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it improves the source material without getting in the way of drawing attention to itself or being the entire reason that it's being promoted or something. Yeah, the AI aspect of Get Back was, like, 
I, I don't think that was really... I mean, obviously, if you looked into it, like, how'd they do that? Yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff. But, but the, it, in this use case, this isn't the thing that people are going, it's going to bring about the end of the world. Please regulate right. it. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, this is just a very useful restoration tool. Yeah. So, look, in case one, in the case of one of the world's greatest musicians using his former bandmates' demos and some AI tools to get the band back together one last time, this seems fine. We do, however, worry about all the countless other famous musical acts whose master recordings are owned by people whose only motivation is money, because that's a very different situation with a lot of potential for some very ghoulish behavior. Yeah. I mean, in this case, it's Paul and presumably with the cooperation of His Yoko and everyone else. The it's estate, like, yeah. But uh, yeah, a lot of musicians from back then um, got screwed over, don't own their own shit. Um, that shit is owned by people who don't give a fuck and are probably currently right now looking into ways In a lot of cases, to... private investors. Yeah. It's... Not even record... Like, record labels are very proactive about buying back all that stuff. But a lot of people... Like, there's someone that owns, like, a Michael Jackson master tape or something. Yeah. It's just a thing you invest in once you've got, like, your yacht it's a and, speculative your, and your asset. island. It's yeah. the ultimate F NFT. It is. Uh, what, the unfortunate thing is that this song's probably going to suck in the comparison of all the rest of the Beatles well, albums. Yeah. They were already broken up the for 20 the, years by then. The two new songs they released in the 90s are also, like, not good either. It's just yeah. like, okay, it's, it's a way to, like, promote. But, I mean, they were promoting the Beatles anthology with that. I don't even know what this is for. This is just, I don't know. You don't need to do this. This doesn't need to happen. No, it doesn't. It's Look, unnecessary, but yeah, it's not it's, ghoulish. I guess it, it just it it uh, it's just not going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> so come on. Anyways, in other news, uh, we haven't really talked about Trump yet today, and there really isn't a whole lot to report. Um, except that yeah, he showed up to court. He got arrested for the second time in just a couple months. Yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, this man is racking up charges. And then, yeah, he whined about it at multiple campaign stops in multiple states where he insisted he did nothing wrong. And, yeah, I mean, the only soundbite you really need is this little three-second clip right here. I did everything right, and they indicted me. Incredible. That's our boy. I think one of the funniest things is, like, his valet is, is type, uh, his valet is old term, but his assistant is uh, tied up in all of this. Yeah, and the judge is like, do not talk about this You cannot case. talk to And they other. went and got lunch together right afterwards. Yes pretty good yeah um but yeah despite fears of another january 6th happening in miami that did not happen thankfully just a bunch of weirdos driving around in circles honking their horns and shouting at each other yes um so yeah the republican 2024 primary continues and trump remains the front runner for now though the gop is clearly not putting all their eggs in one basket. They are diversifying their options uh, just in case let's get nikki haley out here we got sweaty ron we got, uh, I would love Sweaty to Ron, see... Pudding Ron. Yes. Uh, we have all the Rons. Uh, Chris, uh, I would love to have seen Chris Christie at that Ron DeSantis event. Because if Ron was that bad, Chris Christie, my God. I don't know. Maybe he's just like one of those guys that can't sweat. Like Prince Andrew. Yeah, but he's filled with water weight. That's the problem. He can't he's, sweat it out. Yeah, I mean, Chris Christie, is he even fat or is it just a weird thing where he just carries water? Yeah, he's like a St. Bernard in that way. Yeah. He's just uh, he's just preparing for winter. If you get stuck, Hibernation. he rolls down the hill and feeds you water. From where? We can't say. But uh, yeah, let's get back to some AI news now um, because, of course, there's more AI news. Yeah, speaking of bad things happening because of AI, a recent study looked into how increasing use of AI in the workplace is affecting human employees. And you might be shocked to hear this. Results, not great. 
Not great, folks. People not liking this. Here's Gizmodo. Even if AI didn't steal an individual's job, researchers found that those who simply used it regularly suffered from increased loneliness, insomnia, and increased drinking compared to the others in the study that didn't. Although employees physically were in the workplace, researchers uncovered that their loneliness was a direct result of their frequent interactions with AI, which eliminated the need for human contact. The study, published in the Journal of Applied Psychology, uses the example that previously routine activities, such as seeking a second opinion on a proposed solution for a client, can now be provided instantaneously and more accurately by an AI system. Therefore, more frequent interactions with AI may lead employees to feel socially disconnected from others, which should increase feelings of loneliness. So that's cool. I mean, it's not like the loneliness and other mental health issues were already a increasing huge problem in modern society. So they, yeah, this AI revolution that we're currently only a couple months into, it should be great for everyone. We are heading down the right path as a species. Um, but yeah, that is, of course, if things continue on their current trajectory. There's recently been some very interesting research into what the AI situation might look like in just a few short years. And uh, yeah, it turns out there might be a big problem right around the corner that could throw a big old wrench into the whole AI craze. And ironically, what might be AI's downfall is AI itself. Good. Oh my God. It'd be your own self. Uh, here's VentureBeat. Now, as more people use AI to produce and publish content, an obvious question arises. What happens as AI-generated content proliferates around the internet and AI models begin to train on it instead of on primarily human-generated content? A group of researchers from the UK and Canada have looked into this very problem and recently published a paper on their work in the open access journal ARCS IV. What they found is worrisome for current generative AI technology and its future. We find that use of model-generated content in training causes irreversible defects in the resulting models. The snake is eating its tail. Mm -hmm. It continues, specifically looking at probability distributions for text-to-text -text and image-to-image AI-generative models, the researchers concluded that Learning from data produced by other models causes model collapse, a degenerative process whereby, over time, models forget the true underlying data distribution. This process is inevitable, even for cases with almost ideal conditions for long-term learning. Over time, mistakes in generated data compound and ultimately force models that learn from generated data to misperceive reality even further, wrote one of the paper's leading authors, Ilya Shumailov, in an email to VentureBeat. We were surprised to observe how quickly model collapse happens. Models can rapidly forget most of the original data from which they initially learned. In other words, as an AI training model is exposed to more AI-generated data, it performs worse over time, producing more errors in the responses and content it generates, and producing far less non-erroneous variety in its responses. So basically, it's sort of like how making a photocopy, photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy results in worse and worse quality, or like people who fuck within their own family. That's how you get the royal family looking like this. Oh, yeah, this is the, yeah, it's it's uh, the incest. The, That's, the yeah. AI is, is fucking its sister. Yep, and it's going to look like Prince Charles soon enough. Yeah. So, oh, sorry, King Charles. Yeah. My mistake. Have some respect. So basically, yeah, that's what's happening. Just in the past few months, the internet has already been absolutely flooded with AI-generated SEO content. And any large language model that's indiscriminately scraping the web for training data is going to train itself, eventually, on AI-generated content. Then it's going to produce AI-generated content based on AI-generated content that's going to then get used as training data. Do you see where we're going for more <laughs> AI-generated content? BuzzFeed is going to ruin AI because it's just going to be nonstop quizzes and stuff. This is very exciting. Yeah. 
The end result is an AI language model that does a shitty job impersonating human language because it's trained on data that wasn't produced by humans. So it will be just very exciting to see if this does in fact come true, but unfortunately the study's authors are quick to point out that this won't affect existing LLMs like ChatGPT nearly as much as it affects any LLMs that are currently in the works. Yeah, but it does create a problem for adding new... You want up-to-date training data for yeah. the most part. Because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, ChatGPT, it's like, it doesn't, literally doesn't know about anything up until, like, a certain month in a yeah. certain year. That's, like, when they stopped adding shit to it. If they want to add more, they're going to run into a big fucking problem. Again, this, and specifically, specifically with the language model shit, this is, and I hope that I'm right, it just feels exactly the same way that Web3 and NFTs did where all these companies are like super pumped on it because the, the public's going nuts over it. Mm -hmm. Investors are going nuts over it. And then it basically just boils down to what it was and should continue to be, which is this stuff like Peter Jackson uses it for. Yeah, as, I, a, as a helper on projects that are driven by human creators. That's, yeah, and that's like the Google thing where it's like Google has been using AI in its products for a decade. Siri they, is AI. They just didn't get into this large language model parlor trick because... Yeah they were actually putting it to more specific purposes. But now they have to because yeah. it's a trend that is demanding uh, companies buy into it because investors are demanding it. They say this model collapse also affects the image generators. So, like, are they just going to... It's like the boobs just keep getting bigger and bigger. It's like you ask for literally anything. It just It's like anime with, like, tits the size of a school bus. Yeah. Like, oh, those tits are too big, smaller. And then they just come back bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, what's happening? Well, it was trained off of all the smut you were making with Midjourney. That's what you get. There's a couple outlets that use AI thumbnails now, and it disturbs me every time I see it. Yeah. I'm just like, first of all, why? Second of all, it looks bad. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. Not great. Not great. A lot of not great, folks. Uh, but you know what else is not great? The heat wave over in the UK. Oh my goodness, it's a full 30 degrees oh, outside. Oh, jeez. Oh, when the temperature gets above 80, I pass out. I should probably take off my bearskin hat. Oh, but, you know. But what will the king think? You know King Charles' fingers are sweating. Oh my God. Those little hot dogs are roasting. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so if you if you want to see us make more fun of the British, please watch that episode. Ooh. And if you need an update on Trump and those orcas, and I, I believe we have an update on some orca news coming up. Things are happening. <laughs> Things are fucking happening. They are unionizing in the ocean. Yeah. It is crazy. Uh, but so for the next story, you'll need to get caught up to speed on the previous orca story, which you can mm -hmm. do by clicking the videos over there. Uh, please like the video. Hit the like button. Confetti sprays out. Everybody's happy. Leave a comment. Reply to a comment. Engage. There are... Uh, in a comment last time, in, on the last episode, someone was like, wow, I just found out about this channel. You guys have so many videos for me to catch up on. And people were rightfully commenting back and saying, wow, hitting the like button and engaging actually works because people are now finding the channel. That's right. You did your part. We hate saying it over and over again, but it works, so we have to. Anyways, videos are up there now. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.